Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along here with you, Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Our guests on the Goodyear Hotline, including one of my childhood heroes, Bernard King, who was live with us earlier today, talking lots of basketball today. Again, really good games last night. Knicks and Hawks is going to be a great series. All it, that literally feels like it'll come down to a bucket here or a bucket there in seven games. Utah evens things up with Memphis. John Morant scores 47 along the way. Terrible moment in Philly. Someone dumps popcorn on Russell Westbrook. We've talked plenty about that. Some things just seem to go without saying. It's a disgrace. And I don't know that much more than that needs to be said about it. In the meantime, we're here to have fun. And this was sort of fun. We started talking about pets. Because my brother and I named a hamster after Bernard King. And Nuno told us that his family, they had dogs and just named them Rocky successively. Like just it was just Rocky, then Rocky, then Rocky, then Rocky as they would go forward. Um, And the question came up, would you name them Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3? And then the big question that someone texted me is, did Nuno's dog Rocky 4 end the Cold War? That's really the question. Did Nuno's beloved Rocky 4 end the Cold War? No, he did not. But you know what I what I dislike is Bubba. Like he could have defended me because he said what? Because he said, "Hey, I had a friend growing up. Growing up, they always named their dogs the same name as well." And he did not defend me. You see what I work with? Here's what I'm saying: You will always go to the negative, no matter what. You see what I don't like is Bubba. That's the first sentence when I asked you, "Did your dog yeah, solve the Cold, the Cold War?" War here. Yeah, did your dog bring down that wall and 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 put an end to the Cold War? And your response was, "Here's why I hate Bubba." That I think right there tells you everything you need to know about Nuno. In the meantime, let's move forward to a few other things. We'll get back to all the basketball, but there's other stuff I wanted to get to today. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. And to me, one of the most interesting questions as we look at all this quarterback stuff that's going on out there is which quarterback is under the most pressure this coming season. Now, you could name a lot of different people. You could say the name Sam Darnold. You could say the name Matthew Stafford. You could say the name Carson Wentz. I suppose on one level, you could say the name Jordan Love if things go a certain way in Green Bay. But I will say the name Tua Tungovailoa. And I will say why. Because I think that the Miami Dolphins think they're a championship-caliber team. And I think if I were in their shoes, I'd think the same thing. They've done an incredibly good job of remaking that roster. But I will continue to believe that were it not for the circumstances being what they are today, all of this off-the-field stuff away from the game that has um, clouded and greatly superseded anything having to do with football, I believe Deshaun Watson would be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins right now. That didn't happen, I think, for that reason. And so I think as Tua prepares for season number two, and it's just an, an illustration of how much the sport has changed. He was the fifth pick in the draft coming off a major injury, and he's going into year two, and it is make or break. But I genuinely believe it is. I genuinely believe it is make or break for Tua in Miami this year. And that might be thoroughly unfair, but I think it is the reality of the situation. In the meantime, he says he's going to be better because this time he knows what he's doing. You know, getting to the line of scrimmage, kind of getting that order of operation down, um, my cadence, and then pre-snap reads, you know, and then my post-snap reads, just just the whole shebang with that. Um, you know, I, I felt, you know, I wasn't comfortable with my rookie year. Um, you know, so just working on a lot of those things uh, in year two to, you know, be better. Okay, I can live with it. 
That's a, a perfectly legit way of looking at it. But it should be pointed out that players in his position in this era don't get the benefit of the doubt. That's just the reality of it. Sam Darnold, even he got a third year to start. I don't know that Tua does. That's a really good team. They need a quarterback to put them over the top. He, he completed two, or attempted 290 passes last year, the longest of which gained 35 yards. So it's going to be very interesting to see the direction that thing winds up going. Meanwhile, I have an even better question. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Is Urban Meyer a genius or is Urban Meyer in over his head? That, to me, is a fascinating question. College coaches almost never succeed in the NFL for one simple reason, and that is because in the NFL, the words total control mean something totally different than they do in college. Yes, he has total control of the organization, which means he's the coach and he has the final say in personnel. That's where his control ends, because this is the National Football League. You control plays, you control personnel, but you don't control the media You don't control the police department. You don't control the fans. And you aren't more important than your boss. Those are the ways in which being an NFL coach is different from being a college coach. And in a variety of different ways, that can be significant. Let's start with not being more important than your boss. Bubba, you're as passionate a football fan as anyone I know. Do you know who the owner of your favorite NFL team is? Yes. Do you know who the president of the university that any of the player of any of the coaches are coaching in? What? Do you know <laughs> any of the big coaches, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, whenever they were there, do you know the name of the president of that university? Oh, no. Of course not. No. That's my point. Because the football coach is more important than the president of the university. In a battle of wills, Nick Saban beats whoever the president of the University of Alabama is, and that's true of all of the super successful coaches. That's not true when the president of your new university is named Shad Khan or Jerry Jones or Woody Johnson or Bob Kraft or any of these guys. Those are billionaires, and they're not having it. They're not people who are asking. The university's president's biggest job in this day and age is asking other people for money. They go to Jerry Jones and Shad Khan and all of them and say, please come build a building on our university. They're not the ones building the buildings. The guys building the buildings aren't intimidated by the gaudy one-loss record of the coach. So you're not more important than your boss. That's first. You don't control the media. That's second. Dirty little secret of all these successful college coaches is they run the media in the places where they live because, by and large, they are in small towns, college towns. They're not the big colleges aren't in New York, Chicago, L.A., Detroit, Philly. That's not where these are. Obviously, there are some exceptions, the Villanovas of the world and others. But for the most part, they are in places like Jacksonville, Florida, Columbus, Ohio, Norman, Oklahoma, Lincoln, Nebraska, etc. And in those places... The newspapers and the talk shows, they'll have like three or four people who cover the teams. And those people desperately need the access to the coach. The coach can cut you out. You can't risk making the coach that mad at you and succeed in the media in those places. So the coaches control the media. Can't do that in the NFL. It's not happening. That's not happening no matter what happens. And then, of course, we know about all the other stuff that the coaches sometimes control that I won't dive into, but you know where I am. So the question is, as he brings in Tim Tebow, and I'm being told now that the word around the league is they expect Tebow to be used like Taysom Hill. 
He's going to be a gadget player on a team that is currently on a 15-game losing streak and just drafted John Elway with the number one pick in the draft. Is this genius? Or is this the sign of someone who does not realize what he's in for? Is this the sign of someone who doesn't realize where he is? I'll tell you which side I would bet. And I am the one who famously always says, you don't ever get rich betting on things that never happen. And by and large, this never happens. College coaches never come to the NFL and succeed. But the only thing I'll tell you is, I know Urban a little. Not well, not intimately, but I know him well enough and have been around him enough to say this. Urban Meyer is a smart man. Now, that doesn't mean all these other guys weren't. But I didn't know them, and I do know him. And I just can't picture him going in there and not having all of this being a part of his plan. Like, I just can't envision it. I'm open to be proven wrong. It is certainly possible this thing will go completely sideways. The Tebow thing will blow up in ways that I'm not expecting. And any number of things will go badly here. I just don't picture it. I just can't picture him getting it all that wrong. He didn't come do this. He didn't put himself on the line in this way if he hadn't thought it all the way through and wasn't fully ready for it. That's what I think. Getting rid of those black streaks on your roof, by the way, with spray and forget is as easy as literally spraying and forgetting about it. It's a product called Spray and Forget. It's literally that easy. Get rid of those black streaks on your roof. All right, coming up, you will hear from my favorite player ever on an absolutely outstanding series and more. That's next, and this is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. I have some some news. It's not breaking news necessarily, but we just got this statement sent to us here. Malika sent it into the news desk. Here we find it. Here we go. This is a statement from the Philadelphia 76ers. After an investigation into the incident that occurred at last night's game, we have determined that the person involved will have his season ticket membership revoked effective immediately. In addition, he will be banned from all events at Wells Fargo Center indefinitely. We apologize to Russell Westbrook and the Washington Wizards for being subjected to this type of unacceptable and disrespectful behavior. There is no place for it in our sport or arena. 
So that just came here. Again, the person who dumps the popcorn on Westbrook yesterday is a season ticket holder, at least as I'm reading this, right, because it says that that person will have his season ticket membership revoked, effective immediately, and will be banned from all events at Wells Fargo. So there you have it. That That is the fallout, and I would imagine probably the end of the fallout from that situation. Seth Greenberg on TV with me this morning raised the possibility of bringing some sort of uh, proceedings against the guy. I, I, I don't expect that to happen. I sort of understood his thinking, but never thought it was particularly likely. Okay, so that is the latest coming out of Philly yesterday. That was just the act of one moron. I'm not going to paint with a broad brush. That's just an idiot. And sometimes you have to look at a person and say, you know, if you're going to do idiotic things, you're just going to be an idiot, and the result is going to be stuff like this. He deserves an enormous amount of public scorn and shame, and that, I would imagine, is what he's going to get. Meanwhile, I want us just to do a little abbreviated version of I'm Sorry What. I'm Sorry What? I'm Sorry What? I'm Sorry What? I'm sorry, what? So I originally conceived the idea of this feature. It wasn't just going to be people saying outrageous, crazy things, but it was just going to be a way to listen to interesting people saying interesting things. And we had one of my all-time favorite people on the show earlier, Bernard King, one of the great players of my youth, my favorite player of my youth. And I thought of him the other day because at the Nick game Sunday night, he got this wonderful ovation. It's so great. You know, it's one thing when you are a super famous player. I remember I was in Chicago and I was covering a game the night they retired the numbers of Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus. Now, Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus are two legendary figures. And so it was no surprise that they got the rousing standing ovation from the crowd at Soldier Field that they got. These are two first ballot Hall of Fame players who are among the most famous players of all time. I sometimes feel like Bernard isn't that because... His apex was so brief. It it was just a little sliver in time before he suffered that devastating injury. So to hear him be received the way he was, it just sort of warmed my heart. So I said to the guys, let's get Bernard on. And I was thrilled to talk to him. And as we were breaking down the series, he was pointing out the most important player for the Knicks, without question, has become Derrick Rose. The difference maker, as you saw last night, is going to be Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose has come in, and he's really – put a great deal of fire under his team, particularly in the second half. He's found his rhythm. He's found his game within the system. And I think that to have him scoring points and penetrating and dishing off and putting pressure on Trey Young, I think that's needed. And that's going to be the difference in this series, as well as uh, the Nick bench. No question. I I think that's going to be the Knicks' chance of winning this series, Nuno, my Nick fan friend. I think rides with Derrick Rose and his ability to continue to play at that level for that many minutes consistently at this stage in his career. How would you describe your confidence that he can give you that performance four times in a seven game series? I'm afraid, especially because right now you're going to do quick turnaround, right? The, yep. Between one game one and, and two, they had uh, you know they had two days off. Now all of a sudden it's. You know, playing back Friday and then Sunday afternoon. And yeah, I don't the know early game Sunday. Yeah, so I don't know if he's going to be able to handle it, and that's what I'm scared. I think reason to be. I, I think that is legit concern. They will now go Wednesday, Wednesday night, Friday night, Friday night, Sunday early. They're the first game Sunday. Knicks-Hawks game four in Atlanta is the first game Sunday. That's one Eastern time. So we'll see. I, I, think, I think he's become the most important player for the Knicks because Julius Randle just hasn't been. Meanwhile, there's no question who's the most important player for the Hawks, and that's Trey Young. That's a great first-round series. 
A great first-round series. I, I don't think any of the other series in round one are going to go seven games. I think that one will. But, of course, the Knicks have to win one of these two. They have to win Friday or Sunday, I think, in order to get that to a seventh game on their home floor. All right, that's the first thing I wanted you to hear. The next, I want to hear together. Again, my thanks to uh, Bob Washusen, who came in here yesterday and did a great job on the show. I was, at, as I mentioned, at my nephew's graduation, so I didn't get to hear any of it. But all of a sudden, I started being swamped with notes. Did you hear Wendy? Did you hear Wendy just go off on the Clippers on my own show? And I'm the only one who didn't hear it. So let's hear a little of Brian Windhorst just going off on the Clippers coming off of their love to loss. Not only are they disappointing with their intensity level, the, the, the tanking that they did last week flabbergasted me. I've never seen a more gutless approach to the playoffs. And, and, and again, you can't give me anything about other teams tank. This was a unique situation for reasons I don't need to get into. I've never seen such a gutless thing. Um, I can't believe that Jerry that a team that employs Jerry West would sign off on something like that. Yes. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. I'm delighted that he said that. If you listen to the show, you heard me saying similar things. I wouldn't have gone as far as gutless, mostly because I don't have the guts to say it. But I certainly support him saying it. I pointed it out a million times. That team, they're not going anywhere. I, I picked Dallas to win the series before the series, and I told you it was with my head. Excuse me, with my heart, not my head. I, I would pick Dallas in three based upon the way the Clippers run their season. And I, I think the real big question here is, now that they're down 2 nothing, the Clippers, how is Kawhi going to load manage a game? I mean, that's really my question. How does he load manage a game when they're down, their backs are against the wall? They would have to win three straight. That's my question to you. Bubba, if if the Clippers run off three straight wins and take a 3-2 lead and they go on the road game six Dallas, do they rest Kawhi? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's my point. Like, I'm saying that jokingly, but it's not a joke. Because that just made me insane. There's more from Wendy. I don't understand what the game plan was. He did not have the team ready to play. He did not have a defensive game plan to put them in a position to win. And he comes out after the game and says he's not concerned, or at least Paul George said that. I mean, that's just a lie. The Clippers almost, I can't believe how little they're getting out of what should be an incredibly special team. The way they let it go down last year and the way they have approached this series, not just when since it started, but what they were doing last week is just heartless, gutless. Ty Lue has rings as a coach and as a player. Kawhi Leonard has two finals MVPs. Paul George has hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm telling you, this two-year span, if they get knocked out here, will put a stain on them that they will never wash off. Oh, that is so well. Oh, yes. Amen, amen, amen. I love you, Wendy. That is outstanding. All right. I want to turn the um I want to turn this back to the funny because I'm here more than anything else to have fun. So I'm opening up the phones, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-SAY-ESPN, and here's my question. We came across something accidentally today because I mentioned that when we were kids, my brother and I, we had hamsters. We weren't allowed to have dogs or cats. We had hamsters, and we named one of them Patrick and another one of them Bernard for Patrick Ewing and Bernard King. And then we the, 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 the staff here started pointing out all these different ideas of having names. Like like Nuno has had dogs, and they were just constantly named Rocky. Rocky, 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 and on and on it went. Ryan Hurley from New York, you guys know Ryan, he sent a note, my brother had lizards, iguanas, and chameleons in the house. One chameleon actually had a second smaller tail growing out of its normal tail, 
So we called him Ed Two-Tail Jones. <laughs> See, now that's outstanding. So here's my question. Have you ever named a pet after an athlete? And if so, who was it and why? That's what I want to hear. 888-SAY-ESPN. Let's just have a little fun. We need some fun in our lives. 888-729-3776. I want to hear the athlete you named your pet after and why. Next on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny coming to you from live above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. No, it's not. We should have taken that out of the rundown. Now, let's see whose fault is that. Let's analyze whose fault that is. I'm broadcasting from Bristol today. I have some meetings later today, so that I'm up here doing the shows. I did get up, and now I'm doing it here. But let's analyze whether this is more on Bubba or on me. Bubba should obviously have taken that out of the rundown. That's an agreement we have with the people who built our studio in New York, is that I will mention every day the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. But, of course, today I'm not at the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. I'm in Building 2 in Bristol, Connecticut. So the question is, is Bubba at fault for putting it in the rundown or I am at fault for reading it? I mean, I think it's a 50-50 split because, I mean, there's no question I didn't catch it at first. But then you just are Ron Burgundy and just read whatever it says and have no concept until after. You're like, wait, nope, I'm in Bristol. Yeah. So I, 50-50. The we difference both, between me and Ron Burgundy is that I realized it as I was saying it. <laughs> it didn't stop me from saying it in the first place. But I realized it as I was saying it. Meanwhile, I am presented by Progressive Insurance uh, and our guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. Coming to your calls in just a second. But first, Bubba, while I have you, New York Mets pitcher Noah Syndergaard has been shut down for six weeks with right elbow inflammation. Your thoughts? Yeah, we can just move it along. We're down on that. We're, I mean, are we down? How are we feeling today? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, he was rehabbing already from Tommy John. So I don't – he was down in St. Lucie and he was – Starting his rehab, and he was supposed to pitch, I think, four innings. He left after one with elbow, so hopefully it's just a shut. I don't know. I mean, it's terrible. The Mets currently of their – they have, I think, 17 people on the I.L. right now. It's <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it's just every year it's just something completely insane with them. And, yeah, I hope Syndergaard comes back because he's obviously a solid pitcher, but it's not good when you're coming back from Tommy John and you already have elbow injuries. So, Hopefully he's coming back, but this is not looking good. That is the insight from Bubba, and it should be pointed out, um, for those of you who are not aware, that the the two, you know, he has now left that business behind, that part of his life behind to come work here successfully in radio production. But there was a time when the two most prominent surgeons in that era, 
in that area, I should say, were Frank Job and Bubba. Those were the two specialists. That's who you want to go see when you've got an elbow. You would go to Frank Job or you would go to see Bubba. Bubba actually performed the procedure right after the Tommy John. So uh, this is something you know a lot about. Right, yeah. I mean, I taught Dr. James Andrews everything he knows. They used to say the last two words any athlete wants to hear are, you need to go see Bubba. It's actually only one word. (laughs) All right, we're struggling. Let's come to the calls here after this word from Zip Recruiter. Good news for baseball fans. You're allowed to attend games. You sit in pods with your group. Businesses everywhere are making the gradual shift towards normalcy, and that means more hiring, and that's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and invites them to apply. No wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free only at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. We had Bernard King on the show earlier. I told you my brother and I named a hamster after him. We named a hamster Bernard. Another one, Patrick. The question comes up, have you ever named a pet after a person from sports? And if so, why? Megan Judge texted me. I named my three goldfish, George, Nolan, and Robin, the year all three went into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Each time one died, I started calling the other one George because he was my favorite. Eventually, even he got flushed. These are the stories that we're getting. 888-SAY-ESPN. Bubba, who's up? Let's start, actually, at City Field. Put it in the bus! All Rich. Right. Rich is in the parking lot. I like it. Rich, did you ever name a pet after an athlete? Hey, Mike. Uh, glad to meet you, first of all. Yes, I have. In fact, this hit a home run for me, and my last name is Greenberg also. Unfortunately, or fortunately for you, we're not related. But, uh, yes, uh, I have. In fact, back in 1975, hitting home with your situation, I've been a Yankee fan all my life. And I had a schnauzer, so naturally, with that kind of uh, descent of a dog, I named my dog Stottlemyre. And Stottlemyre finally left us, you know, in the religion name after those who have passed on. So your favorite baseball player, my next dog, was named Thurman. And then we adopted a couple of poodles named Mattingly and Tino. The family has followed the religion, if you will, so that Mike Bossy, of uh, my cousin, who's an Islander fan, named his dog Bossy. My daughter named her dog Winfield. And my other daughter married a Met fan, which is sacrilege, but we live with it anyway. They named their dogs Mookie and Doc. So, uh, yes, it's been done in our family for, I guess, now 46 years. Rich, I have two things to say to you. The first, I love you and I love your family, and you are the exact reason why I love this job. My second is, if you think it is sacrilege to be a Met fan, why are you calling from the parking lot of City Field? No, no, no. I'm, I was just being, no. The truth of the matter is I have season seats for both the Mets and Yankees, and you'll appreciate that. This is, this is a sports show. I am doing something today, Mike, which I have never done before. I've exceeded even my craziness. As you know, both last night's Yankee game and Met game were rained out. They are making up the Met game as a single admission doubleheader at City Field. I am sitting in the parking lot. I'll be entering the, uh, in a few minutes. And then this evening, the Yankees are doing a single admission doubleheader at Yankee Stadium. I have tickets for both. And so for the first time in my life, I will be attending. I've attended three twice. I will be attending four baseball games on the same day. I love this man. I love this man. 
I cannot begin to tell you that is my that is one of the favorite calls I've ever taken in all of my life doing radio sports talk. Rich, thank you. Enjoy the games today. The best to your family and to uh, and, and to the entire menagerie of animals that you have there with all the different athletic names. All right, who is next? Rick in Florida is on four there, Bubba. I'm sorry if I'm I, I'm see I can sit here with you now <laughs> and I see the name. You put them up on my screen. We're usually not in the same room. Go to Rick if you can. Rick, you're on ESPN Radio. Tell everybody what you named your pet. Good morning, Greeny. First of all, great show today. I I, got to share a quick story. So my family and I came here in the late 60s from Cuba. I am Cuban. My dad was already a diehard Yankees fan. And uh, so we naturally adopted the Knicks. And I'm a little older than you. Again, I came in the late 60s when the Knicks were winning their first championship. So Mm -hmm. Walt Frazier was actually my, my favorite Nick growing up as a little boy. But when Bernard King came along, I just said, wow. And I think he was robbed of, of at least one, but possibly two MVPs. With you. Um, my, Go ahead. My, no, I'm saying I'm with you. And, I, and I tell me about the pet. Oh, okay, so my, my next uh, future English Bulldog, if it's a male, will be named Zonk after my favorite player growing up, Miami Dolphins legend Larry Zonka. That will be my, my future. And I hope someday to name a, a little uh, – a little dog, Tua, but for now, my next future English Bulldog will be named Zonk. And I agree with you, Greeny. I think Tua is under a lot of pressure, but I think he's going to be fine with an entire offseason. I think the media is reading too much into it. However, if the, my Dolphin could put a package together to entice Aaron Rodgers, and I, in South Beach, if there's no set income tax for his lovely fiance, I, I think... I, I would do it because he is Aaron freaking Rodgers. I'm with that. I liked everything about that call, too. I particularly like Zonka. I want the dog named Zonka, but I would I would quibble. If you have one dog named Zonka, you got to name the other one Kick. I will always think of the two of them together. Larry Zonka and Jim Kick would always be the background and so the backfield in Miami. So if you're going to name your pets, I think you should name them with guys who played together. Uh, can I tell you a number, Bubba? How do you want to do this? Let's go to five. Let's put on Angie on ESPN Radio. Angie, tell me about your cats. Hey there, Greeny. Yeah, we had in the mid, uh, I guess early mid-80s, we adopted a cat and named him Willie and found out that he had a sister. So we went back the next day and got her and named her McGee. Uh, Willie and McGee. I love it. I love it. I love this. This is the reason that we do this show. Angie, thank you. We do it to have fun. I don't want to sit here and talk about all of the nonsense that makes us angry every single day. I want to talk about your animals' names. Uh, try number one there, Ham- uh, Bubba. Go to Ray. Ray, give me the name of your dog. G- give me the uh, the dog name here that we're going to find interesting. Ray, go ahead. Hey, Greeny. I'm from El Paso, Texas. I have a female tiger-striped uh, half-boxer, half-pit, and I named after Ronda Rousey. She was back then. She was a bad, you know what? And go Cowboys. <laughs> so, did you name the dog Rhonda? Did he hang up? Was the dog named? No, Ron- I'm still here. Oh, I'm is still it here. so? Is it Rhonda or Rousey? No, Rhonda. Name the you dog Rhonda. I like it for Rhonda Rousey. I spent the summer with Rhonda. Actually, we did. Um, we did the show, the the the, the reboot of. Uh, of of Battle of the Network Stars, and she was one of the coaches, so she was there all summer long. She's a fascinating person, by the way, and she would appreciate having that dog named after her. I like it. I like that call. Uh, let's do a few more here. Um, let's just go in the order in which they are on my screen. Anthony is next up on three. Go ahead, Anthony. Tell me about your pet. 
Uh, yes, how you doing, Greeny? Had a uh, English bulldog named him Riggins after John Riggins, and we had a Vishla who we named after Cal Ripken. His name was Ripken. I love it. So you had a dog named Riggins and another one named Ripken. This is what it's about. Craig is next. Go ahead, Craig. Tell me about your dog. Yeah, so my dog is a rescue dog. He's probably uh, a little bit of lab, a little bit of pit. And um, we named him George um, from George Foreman. Uh, watched him box as a kid. But I didn't know whether to you know, pick George Foreman as a boxer or the grill because the grill is great. <laughs> so I'll just go with uh, George Foreman. But, uh, yeah, rescue dog, uh, great dog. But I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I love it. All right, let's do the last two there, five and six, Bubba, and then I'll get to a few other things. Jeff, go ahead. Tell me about your dogs. Hi, I had a beagle named OJ who uh, <laughs> took off and ran every time, and my mom went to her grave swearing OJ didn't do it. <laughs> I, had, I had a golden retriever named Kelly, and um, Jim Kelly came to our town for some golf tournaments. My wife sat in a restaurant with him, told him that we had season tickets, but we lived 300 miles away and that we named our dog Kelly, and he said, now you're scaring me. <laughs> and then the last one is my, my son named his dog Andre, because we've been Bills fans our entire life. Oh, I love it. For Kelly and Andre Reed, I love it. One more, Matthew, this has been so much fun. Matthew, tell me about your dog. Matthew? I think we lost Matthew. That's okay. Let's leave it at that. That was so much fun, and and that was so different than I was expecting. You know, we named our dog Phoebe. Are you aware of the namesake? Does anyone in that room know who we named Phoebe after? Um, It's from the book. You're right. See? That's a good memory. Yeah. Um, it is not. Everyone assumes it's from Phoebe Buffay from Friends. And my kids are obsessed with Friends, although when we first got Phoebe, they were too young to watch Friends. What is it, the John Salinger book? It, it's J.D. Salinger, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is the book The Catcher in the Rye. Right, yeah. And Holden Caulfield is the main character. And his sister is named Phoebe. Right. And yeah. she's the only one who makes him feel better. And I was rereading that book at the time we decided to get the dog, and I just mentioned it at the dinner table, and both kids immediately said, that's it, the dog's name is Phoebe, and we were done. So that is where the name Phoebe came from. She is not named for Phoebe Buffet, despite the fact that everyone thinks so. You know, it's really fascinating with that stuff. You know, that's a, that's a great little study of, of the importance that sports has in our lives. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think people name their dogs after movie stars. You know, does anyone have a dog named Clooney? Maybe they do. Maybe I'm out of my mind. Tell me if you think I'm out of my mind. Do you think I'm out of my mind? I'm sitting here thinking, who are the biggest movie stars? I'm not very much in touch with this stuff. So so is George Clooney the biggest star right now? Do people name their dogs Denzel? People love Denzel Washington. Do you name pets after actors? I just don't know. What do you think, Bubba? I... Don't think I've ever come across someone like that. Me neither. That. So I've never I, met anyone. I would lean towards no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I feel like it's. I I would lean towards sports first, then maybe musicians. Uh, yeah, second, but I don't think actors. No, I don't I, think so. I've never come across anyone who said this is my Rottweiler, Clark Gable. Like I just, it's not an. It's not something that happens particularly often. I, I, people don't name their dogs like I don't know. Olivia de Havilland or anything like that, going all the way back to the most dated reference I could possibly come up with, or to the much more current ones like Shailene Woodley, who, as we speak, is running amok in Hawaii with Aaron Rodgers. So let me ask you this question. 
Let's make this one question for you here. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most private people that you will ever come across. Like, Tom Brady's a celebrity. He likes being a celebrity. He's out there, right? He gives you his whole life. He's married to a famous woman. They're kids. You see them. You know this kid's names. You know everything about him. Aaron Rodgers, for a guy who has been connected romantically to a lot of famous people. He was, uh, for a while there, of course, he dated Danica Patrick and then the actress Olivia Munn, also known as Nuno's celebrity crush. But you never saw it. Like, th- th- does he even have a social media account? Like, Aaron Rodgers was someone you never saw posting pictures anywhere. You never saw him outside of the milieu in which he wanted to be seen ever. And that, to me, is what is really interesting about this. The idea that he wanted to be seen. So does anyone believe, is it a coincidence that at the exact time that his team, the Green Bay Packers, are going through their workouts, they're doing their OTAs, which is something that we have been told by Rob Domofsky, our reporter, traditionally he has always shown up for him. By the way, he's bypassing a $500,000 bonus for showing up to this. Not that he needs that, but it is what it is. Does anyone think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden, there's all these pictures of him everywhere. I can't go anywhere yesterday without seeing pictures of Aaron Rodgers shirtless, frolicking in Hawaii with Shailene Woodley, his lovely fiance, and Miles Teller, the actor, and his wife. Do we think that's a coincidence, Baba, or do you think there was a method to that madness? I would say there were, it's definitely not a coincidence. Right. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is living in the world of coincidences right now for... Packers-related stuff. That's correct. And, you know, Diana brought up an interesting thing on our TV show today. Diana's so good. And and she, I hadn't really thought about it this way. But if the Packers are ultimately going to trade Aaron Rodgers for draft picks, there's no real benefit to them in trading him now. You're going to get the same draft picks, i.e., the draft itself isn't changing. The date of the draft we're talking about comes after this upcoming season. So whether you trade him on June 1st, July 1st, September 1st, January 1st, February 1st, it doesn't make any difference. You're getting the same compensation. Now, maybe they're getting back players. We've heard Pat Sertan in the Denver, whatever. But the point is, if the meat of the compensation you're getting for Aaron Rodgers is draft capital, then it does not behoove you to be in any hurry to trade him. And so we started thinking about that this morning, and it really is an interesting little thing. The distraction of Aaron Rodgers being traded away and Jordan Love becoming the quarterback of that team would be monstrous, but it would be finite, which is to say it would happen. The world would go nuts for about a week. Then the world would come back to normal. Then everything Jordan Love and the team did would be compared to what it would have been had Aaron been there, clearly. But the level of distraction, and I'm one who usually thinks the word distraction is overused in football. But the level of distraction, if Aaron Rodgers is a holdout all season long, if he, if this really does go down the Carson Palmer route, then has there ever been a greater distraction to any team in NFL history? Can you imagine every single day? Because you have to ask the question every single day, is there any update on Aaron? And you know, he won't be giving him to you. He'll be frolicking in Hawaii someplace on social media, and they'll be stuck there answering questions about whether Aaron is going to show up tomorrow. Let's see if that's what happens. Enjoy the hoops tonight. See you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. 
Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.